Good morning, everyone. Let's stand and join in worship together.
Good morning. You guys can have a seat really quick. I don't know about you guys, but I am so glad to be here with you. Welcome to Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene. And you know those mornings you get up and you think everything's going okay, then one thing after another goes wrong. And if you're a girl, you really get me. When nothing fits right, you don't feel good, you're, you're just like, I have to be here. I can do this. But coming in this room and being able to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ and to see your faces and to be able to worship in just those few moments that just we had together has already encouraged me. I hope this morning that you feel encouraged because that's what this time is about, for us to be lifting him up and praising him and being reminded who's in charge, who our God is. And I know all of us need different messages this morning, and I hope you will continue to be encouraged throughout this entire service. We're excited that you're here. If it's your first time here, we do have cards. As you walked in, we have a little paper. You can fill that out and drop that either in the offering or in the box back there. That would be helpful for us to get to connect with you. That would be great. So a few things I want to bring to your attention because we need to worship some more. And I don't want to take up our time because I want us to have more time together. But I want you to know about what's coming up. It's super important. We're going to start something called First Wednesday. And it's going to be focused on prayer, but it's going to be really more about that. We're going to worship. We're going to gather together. And we're going to be start doing. We're going to start doing these every first Wednesday of the month, starting September sixth. So I hope you'll come. Six thirty, child care will be provided for those about four and under, but the kids will be invited to be a part of it as well. So it'll be a family time for prayer, and learning about prayer, learning to lift up together, and we're excited about that. So also coming up in September, is our small groups. And so uh, you're going to begin hearing about information and getting that really quickly. In fact, this week, an email is being gathered together and um, hopefully prepared out for you to begin to sign up for the small groups you would like to be a part of. Yes, you need to register and sign up. This is part of us getting involved in our whole new um, database called Breeze. And so we're going to be having that information available out so you can start registering via either your phone or a computer. Super cool. So I think the next slide, oops, we're a little behind here. I have different slides that are going to show up on my phone. I didn't know. Oh, there we go. Small groups. Yay. There it is. Beginning the next slide. Here we go. September 13th. Oh, Breeze. Okay, we'll go to Breeze. It's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll go to Breeze. So Breeze is our new database. And so if you have gotten an email about that, hopefully you've gone in and, 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 and kind of got yourself going in Breeze. Um, you also have a chance to do it as an app on your phone, which is what I do on, on my phone. So then I have the ability to use it right here. I can help you with that. If you're like, what? How do I do that? I'll be out here right after church. If you're like Breeze, like I saw that email, but I'm confused. I'll also be out there to help you with that as well. We want to get everybody going, and this is where everything will be kind of flowing, our, our communication, registration, everything will flow out of Breeze. And so we want everyone connected to that. I know that email can kind of be a little funky at first when you first get, receive an email because it's coming from through. It's kind of a weird thing. If you're struggling with it at all, see me after church. I would love to help you. I'll be over here near the welcome tent. So lastly, we're going to be taking an offering here in just a moment, and we're going to praise him with our, our tithes and our offering. But we've had this opportunity that Pastor Dale's been talking about to reduce our debt. And um, our current debt is a little over $600,000, I think. Yeah, that's right. And that's going to pop up here. There we go. That's the current debt. 
we have an opportunity to reduce that down. So we've got an anonymous giver that's going to match everything that you give towards that debt reduction um, up to 50000 So that means we have the ability to reduce our debt by $100,000. Here's the thing, though. We need to have this due by October 15th. There are some reasons for that. So be praying about how God wants you to give above and beyond your tithe for continuing the ministry here. You guys have done an amazing job creating this space and ministering to Woodland Park. And we don't want to stop that. We don't want money to be an issue. We want to trust God with everything that we have. And so some of us are not at a place that we can do that. But some of us are. And it may be just a few dollars that you can give. But give something towards this matching. Make sure you designate it in a place matching. We'll know that that means the matching off of the debt. So that's what that's about. Will you guys be praying about that and thinking about that? Okay. Thank you. Lori is. I don't know. Are you guys awake this morning? <laughs> anyway, again, we're so glad that you're here. And I just want to pray for just a few moments as we move towards the offering time, as you prepare for that. And then and we're going to move on into some more worship. And I just am praying this morning that as we've been talking about unity, that we will just continue to seek that out. God, how is it with you? You want me to step more into being unified with my brothers and sisters in Christ. So God, this morning, pray for each person here in this room. I know myself walking in a little a little ragged. <laughs> I know many of us do. Some of us are walking like, yes, and some of us are just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and we're nervous, maybe filled with some anxiety. This morning, God, I pray that you would just pour over us, that you would just speak so clear, that you would just wash away all the concerning words so we can focus in on you, God. I pray that these offerings that we're giving, our first, our very best, our tithe, God, you would take it and multiply it to be able to continue to reach those that have not yet heard, those that have forgotten, those that need Jesus so badly in their lives in this area that we have opportunity to reach towards God. Use our gifts for your glory alone. You need my prayer. the kids that are in here are ready to go back with Miss Sharon, now is the perfect time. She's headed towards the door so you guys can all get up from your seats and meet Miss Sharon back there now. I'm excited to see our kids learn about Jesus. That's awesome. I was seven when I led my very first worship service and I cried through the whole thing. Anybody surprised by that? Because I do that. <laughs> but that's what I learned is when they were going back. And um, that's a very special group right there. They're going to be the future of the church. So let's pray for them and encourage them. Amen? Let's stand and worship together. We're going to get your blood going now.
Lord, you are good. You are mighty. You are a God that is in control of all things. And you bless us. And sometimes we don't even know what some of those blessings are, God. I thank you so much, Lord, for being here this morning. Lord, for getting people up and out of their bed like Pastor Michelle was talking about and how hard it is sometimes just to pull your shoes on. But, Lord, you got them here, and they're here, and we're fellowshipping together, and I'm so grateful for that. Lord, I know you're doing things, and you're stirring in us. I pray we'll act on it. Lord, help us to step out into the unknown that you may call us into, whether it's serving, whether it's getting involved in a small group. But, Lord, help us to have the courage to do it if we haven't done it before. Lord, I pray for our little ones back there learning about you right now. Lord, Jesus, plant those seeds and start growing them. Thank you for their little lives. But, Lord, thank you for the mighty men and women they're growing into. I pray, Jesus, that you will raise them up and that we will support them and that we will just get behind them and be prayer warriors for them, Lord. I thank you for our youth, and I ask you to be with them as they're in hard places going to school sometimes, Jesus. Be with them. We want to continue praying for last week for them. And Lord, as we get ready to receive your word, I pray that you will just open our hearts up the rest of the way. That as you start planting those seeds in there that Pastor Dale's bringing us, Jesus, help us to respond to you, Lord. Help us to respond in a way that, that we're obeying you. And sometimes that's hard too, Jesus, because we just love you, Lord. We praise your holy name. We thank you for loving us back. Lord Jesus, you are precious and we love you. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. better than that. Good morning, everybody. Awesome. Great to see you in church on this wonderful, wonderful final Sunday of August. And before uh, you know it, uh, the, the weather's going to turn and we'll be sloshing through snow. That's what they tell me. So just enjoy the sunshine, right? Or not. Whichever. You know, whatever you want to do is fine. Um, so one thing that I wanted to, to make you aware of, um, Michelle talked about our, our matching fund fund, and I just want to bring you some great news. We at like a couple weeks in, we're at 9.9% of our goal. So I think just a little over $4,900 has come in. So thank you for that. And, um, we have a little bit of ways to go. Yeah, you can clap for yourself. That's, that's good. Or you don't have to clap for yourself, whichever. Uh, that's okay too. Tough, tough crowd this morning. So let's see, let's see what God wants to do here. So it was, uh, 
It had been a, a, a pretty good morning in church. Uh, the guest speaker in, 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 uh, in town that week had uh, the, the, the group gathered kind of on the edge of their chairs. He, um, he was a gifted communicator. He had a, a master, uh, mastery level uh, grip on scripture and on the biblical languages. And he just, he was a profound, deep um, theologically sound guy, and 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 really, in in a word, he was compelling. And and the people that had gathered that morning were just really engaged. And they were really on track. And and then and then things went sideways. Things just started started to turn sideways. He said a couple of controversial things that did not sit well with the group that had gathered that morning. And, and actually, that was an understatement. The crowd heard his words, and they went from uncomfortable to agitated to uh, furious, really, pretty quick. And then shortly after that, a couple guys physically rushed up and grabbed the guest speaker and began to pull him outside where the group coalesced around them, and they, they threatened to kill the guest speaker. Who said church is boring, right? And really, this is probably a great opportunity for me just to say thank you for our security team. Because if that ever threatened to happen here, I am assured that, the, you know, no, no one's going to kill me today. I, you know, I don't know. But anyway, um, back to our story. So the guest speaker, um, he got away. Um, he, he didn't have any harm come to him. Um, but uh, not too long after that, that guest speaker... Um, someone did finally catch up to him and they hung him on a cross and he died for the sins of the world. Um, the guest speaker who ticked everybody off in church that morning was, was Jesus, of course. And, and the reason that the crowd turned on him so quickly might not be why you think the crowd turned on him that day. We've been in a teaching series um, here this, this last half of summer called Navigating the Terrain. And, and we're trying to piece together what it is that the church is supposed to be about. We, we, we called it Navigating the Terrain, Made for Mission, because um, over the past 25 years, um, the ground underneath the church has moved. The, the terrain has, has, has changed. And one of the greatest shifts... In, in the past 25 years in, in Christianity has taken place in your lifetime and my lifetime right here in the good old U.S. of A. And as a result, we're having to learn how to navigate the terrain. We're having to learn how to be the church in a very different world than the one that you grew up in, the one that I grew up in, learning how to navigate new terrain. But with that comes a choice. With, with all of that comes a choice. We get to choose. If we're going to do whatever it takes to become the missional outpost, the, the missional church that, that we all hope that we can become, or there's another option. That is for us to maybe just lay down, wimp out, and just do business as usual church. And really those are the only two options. I, I know that we like to think that, well, we can, we can do some this way and some, no, really, there are only two options, either rise up 
be brave, make the adjustments that are necessary to, to be the 21st century missionaries that we're supposed to be, or not, and just fade out. And we get to choose who we want to be. There have been three questions that have been framing our conversation this entire time. The first question, we've asked it over and over and over, what does a good church look like? And so over the course of these past few weeks, we've, we've used a couple of different metaphors that, that really the Apostle Paul kind of coined um, as to what the church should, should look like. Um, a few weeks back, we learned that, that the church is, is like a family that's called out. There's a word for that, the ecclesia, called out ones. The church is like a family called out for a mission. And we have used this one over and over. God doesn't have a mission for his church. He has a church for his mission. And a good church is focused on the mission. And then uh, the, the week after that, I think we, we dipped into the, 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 um, the word body. We used the, the, the metaphor of body. The church is a body. And a body that is thriving needs to be healthy all the way around. Not just one part of it. If, if one part of your body is not acting accordingly, it's not doing what it should do, be doing, the rest of your body won't be, won't be the best that it can be. And so a body needs to be healthy all the way around. And so if we're healthy just spiritually, if we're at the top of our game, and we know all this stuff about the Bible, and, and you know we're just rock stars when it comes to knowledge, but it doesn't get into the, the, the water stream out there. It doesn't do a whole lot of good if we just are scholars in here and asleep out there. So I made the comment that it's not about how many of you are here on Sunday morning. It's about how much Sunday morning is in you out there. We need to be healthy all the way around, not just spiritually. There are outcroppings of what that means, though. It means that you'll be healthy financially as a church. How are we doing with contributing? Some of you are, are overachievers. Some of you have never even said, God, I'm going to trust you with my money. How are you doing with contributing? What about physically? Everybody in a, in, a, in a church has a job. In your body, everything has a place. We talked about 11 different systems that your body has. If one system's not working, the other 10 are, are struggling. Same here. Everybody has a job. Everybody has a role. Every, everyone should have a place to serve. Where are you serving? You know, we've done a pretty good job. We have taken 90% of the work of the church, and we've spread it evenly over 10% of the workers. <laughs> we need to do better. Where are you serving? And then a couple of weeks ago, um, Michelle preached on the idea that the church needs to be unified. Not uniform. We don't want to look the same. We don't all act the same, but we want to be unified. We want to have unity behind God's mission. And so we were learning about what is it a, or what a church actually should look like, what a good church looks like. And then the next question, what is God doing in the world? And so uh, I just want to take a second. Those of you who have been around a long time and have gone to church and know all the answers, what is God doing in the world? Does anybody have an answer? Saving, transforming. Good. Excellent. Julie, thank you. Anybody else? What's what? Sovereign. What's God doing in the world? Anybody? One more. They're all right answers. Go ahead. What's God doing in the world? Equipping. Good. Changing. I love it. God is active. 
in the world today. He's not sitting off in his high heaven watching Netflix. He is active, restoring, reconciling the church, reconciling the world to himself. What is God doing in the world? He's transforming it. Which brings us to question number three. What is it that a good church that understands what God is doing in the world, what is it that that church looks like? And this question really is the tip of the spear for people like you and me. This is of utmost importance because we're the church. We, we, should, we should be honing in on this question more in more of our conversation than anything because we are the church. We, we're the, lo- the local church, you and I, are as good, as, good as, as we are good out there. The local church is as effective in the mission of God as we are effective in the mission of God. We are the church. And what does a good church that understands what God is doing in the world, what is it that that church looks like? And so all of that brings me to the question this morning, it causes me to wonder, really, if what Jesus said that day in that church, it was a synagogue, but if, if what Jesus said that day will get a similar response from us than it did from those people in that church in that time, those who, threw him, who ended up throwing him out of church that one day. Well, what Jesus says to the church today had the same effect that it did on those that day. And I know what you'd say. No way. We're, we're better than that. We're smarter than that. We're more refined than that. We know the Bible better. We love Jesus more than they did. We, we love God. I, I guess we'll see. Let's, let's, just, let's just see. So if you have your Bibles, if you're your Bible bringer, um, we're going to be in Luke 4 this morning. And um, I'll just set it up this way by saying that Jesus had been... Uh, preaching and teaching itinerantly, and he was making his way back to his boyhood home of Nazareth. And as was his um, habit on every Sabbath, he went to the synagogue. In other words, when it was church day, Jesus went to church. Um, as, as Christians, we even struggle with that much of, of, of being more like Jesus, but, but I digress. So um, Jesus was in church on church day, and... Um, he, he, he went to the synagogue um, to, to speak, and, and the only Bible that they had at that time was the really Old Testament, and it was written on large scrolls. And so Jesus took the opportunity to, to, to go up to the front of the group, and he picked up the scroll of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophecy written six to 700 years before um, Jesus ever came. And so Jesus came, and he grabbed the, the scroll of Isaiah, the prophecy of what was to come, and this is what Jesus read right out of Isaiah that morning on the synagogue. Luke records it, chapter 4, verse 18, and this is what Jesus said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. 
he rolled the scroll back up as it was and he put it back up in the place that it was and he sat down. And no one said a word. They were in awe. Everybody was just staring at Jesus. And so sitting there in the synagogue that morning, he continued. The scripture (laughs) that you've just heard, the scripture that I just read has been fulfilled this very day. And everybody spoke well of him. Everybody was good with Jesus and was amazed by the gracious words that flowed off of his lips, wondering to themselves, maybe whispering to their neighbor, how how can this be? I don't understand. Isn't this Joseph's son? Don't you remember when he used to run through the neighborhood and play kickball? And and remember that time that he accidentally broke the pottery and he ran? I mean, this is Jesus. How can this be? Everybody's still in, in good shape here. So far, so good. Things were going so well until Jesus got too close. Verse 23, Jesus said, You will undoubtedly quote back to me the proverb, Physician, heal yourself. Which means that do miracles here in your own hometown. Do miracles here in your own backyard like those that you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth. No prophet is accepted in his own hometown. And the mood in the room began to change. And then Jesus began to teach a history lesson. And he reached back hundreds of years. And he said this, Certainly, there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time. When the heavens were closed up for three and a half years. And because of that, there was a severe famine that devastated the land. There were many needy widows of Jewish descent in that time. But Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, an outsider. Uh, a non-Jew. She was a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. The prophet wasn't sent to all the insiders. He was sent to the outsider. Oh, and, and many in Israel had leprosy at the time of the prophet Elisha, but, but the only one that was healed was Naaman, uh, a Syrian, an outsider. And when... They heard this. The people got furious. And they turned on him. And jumping up, they mobbed the guest speaker. And they forced him to the edge of a hill outside the synagogue there on which the town was built. And they wanted to kill him. I mean, that was the hope. Get rid of this guy. But he passed right through the crowd. And he went on his way. Wow. I mean, are you kidding me? Why, why so upset? I mean, why would they get so upset, this Jesus that they had watched grow up? Why so, subset, why so upset? Even enough 
to kill? And it was because in that moment, Jesus had disrupted the norm. And he rearranged the order of things. He took the old rules and he made them all better. And no one sitting in that synagogue today liked it. See, up until Jesus came, the way of the world was that God only loved insiders. Those who were born Jewish or who had embraced Jewish traditions, who had converted. Those who were in the, yes, yes, yes we do, we fear Yahweh, how about you club? Up until when Jesus came, everything was just about the insiders. People on the outside were out of luck. If you didn't fit in, you were out. Jesus changed all the rules. And the insiders were furious. The insiders didn't like it. They lost their privilege. Because in that moment, God became biased toward the outsiders. He changed the way of the world. The outsiders, you know, those who are, are broken and hurting, marginalized. Those who are disconnected and far from God. That's who Jesus began being biased toward. And we should be too. But mostly we're not. And neither were those people sitting in that synagogue in Nazareth that afternoon. And they threw Jesus out. Not because of his extraordinary claim, but just over the, over the top. Extraordinary claim to be the fulfillment of ancient prophecy. Not because of his outrageous statements about you know, redeeming the poor or setting the captives free or, or healing the blind. No, no. That was all met with you know, pleasant smiles and, and polite golf claps. But when Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is biased toward the outsiders, who are people not like you and me, he became wildly unpopular. <laughs> and I'm wondering if we're different. And if we're different, how we're different. See, we, we design and, and build church buildings to suit our needs and our wants. We create programs and classes and events to attract people who, who believe like we do. And we give money to the church and we expect it to be spent on things for us. And we want the music to be the kind of music that we want and at the volume that we want. And we custom design the kind of church that we want and not once think about how it might help or hinder outsiders to find Jesus. It's just too easy to forget that once upon a time, you and I were outsiders too. Jesus came to reconcile the world to himself. And he has invited you and me. He's invited his church to come along for the ride. It was the Apostle Paul. Paul came after Jesus. 
It was the Apostle Paul who, who kind of picked up on this theme when he was writing um, one of his letters to the church in Corinth, a church that he had started. And he picked up on this theme, 2 Corinthians 5, and this is what Paul writes to the church. All of this, all of this is a gift from God. The God who brought us back to himself, parenthetically, the God who brought us back to himself from the dead through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. He's given you and me that role, that privilege. That word reconciling in the Greek means the restoration of favor. What Paul is saying is God has given us the task of restoring favor, God's favor to people. You and I get to be a part of that. For God, the Heavenly Father, Yahweh, who we've, we've served for thousands of years, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. And then He turned and He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. And so, church, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal. God is making his appeal through us. Wow. And we speak for the creator of the universe when we plead with others, come back to God. Wow. But we can't do that. We can't reach people on the outside if we don't make allowances. We don't create margin. We don't have programs. If we don't create a place, if we don't make uh, an environment for people who are on the outside. What is a good church that understands what God is doing in the world look like? What does a church that understands what God is doing in the world, what does that church look like? It looks biased. A good church that understands what God is doing in the world is biased toward those who are disconnected from Jesus. Amen, Brother Dale. Thank you, I heard that. Because you can read your New Testament until your eyes pop out, and that's the message you'll hear. I used to make light of this image of Jesus. I used to make light of... of the idea of, of Jesus carrying a lamb around on his shoulders. Like somehow Jesus would, was just walking around looking for sick, tired, scarred, beat up, broken, lost lambs to pick up. I regret making light of that. Isn't that exactly what Jesus does? So isn't that exactly what he's asking those of us who follow him to do? And the answer is yes. 
I, I want to make sure that I don't over-sensationalize this. I mean, after all, I, I know, I, I'm, I'm not naive. I know that we don't live in Colorado Springs or Dallas or, or San Francisco or Chicago. Those are all big cities, and they all have big city problems that we're just pretty much isolated from up here above the clouds. But you know something? We still have outsiders. And I know that we're a conservative Christian community. But we have outsiders. And I know that, that some of you, probably most of you, have walked with Jesus for a good long time. But did you know that we have outsiders among us? The question that I want to ask this morning is if we're willing to make room for the outsiders. And I, I, don't, I don't mean, are you willing to tolerate outsiders? I, I'm asking if you're willing to adjust what you like or what you prefer to make room for those who are not like you and I. And are we willing to do things that, that aren't our cup of tea so that we can widen our doors for outsiders? Are we willing... Are we willing to reallocate dollars away from insider things so we can reach more outsiders? Are we willing to, to put up with the sanctuary being a little dim when I walk in or the music being not what we love so that the outsiders may feel more comfortable? Let's get a little closer. Are you willing to volunteer once a month in the cafe or as a greeter or a parking lot attendant or a kid ministry group leader or a sound person, are you willing so that on Sundays we can provide a warm, welcoming, excellent environment for those who don't yet know Jesus or those who no longer trust the church? How about a little closer? Are you willing to give generously so that a lack of resources won't keep our church leadership preoccupied instead of leveraging that energy to reach more outsiders for Jesus? Bottom line is, are you willing to be biased toward the outsiders? Amen, Brother Dale. I heard that voice. A lady had taken a Red Cross course in first aid. And at the one-year um, recertification meeting that they were having, several of them began talking about stories, and so the request was made, does anybody have a, a real-world story about your first aid experience? And so she, she stood up and said, I'd like to tell my story. She said, the other day out in front of my house, there was an automobile accident. Awful. It was an older gentleman who had been driving his car, and he was speeding, and he lost control of the vehicle, and it it went up over the median, into the median, and in the middle of the median was a tree, and he hit the tree head on, and it threw him out of the car. He landed on the other side in the lane over there, and it was a mess. His skull was fractured. He had compound breaks in all of his bones, and he, he was pumping his life's blood out all over the street. It was It was terrible. But in that moment, I, I just had to focus. 
I just, I just took my, my focus and I remembered my training and it came back to me that if I would just put my head between my knees, I wouldn't faint. And I'll just tell you that there are too many Christians and too many churches that are all too willing to put our head between our knees and watch the world bleed out. God is reconciling the world to Himself. And He's invited you and me to partner with Him in that endeavor. We can't save anybody. You can be the best Christian in the world. You're not going to save anyone. That's reserved for God Himself. However, we are here to help stop the bleeding. And so what if we do what we can do so that the great healer can do only what he can do. What if we would become a church for the outsiders? Can I pray with you? God in heaven, thank you for these moments. A chance where we have to come face to face with your word. Look deeply into that and allow it to look deeply back into us. And allow your word via your spirit to begin to work in our hearts where we live, what we think, how we behave. And oh God, today we're reminded yet again that the world is tilted it's biased toward those who are on the outside to those who do not yet know you that your great mission is to bring as many people into an eternal heaven with you as possible and how we're invited as your church to come alongside in that in that reconciliation effort so God, forgive us if we've forgotten that. Forgive, forgive us if we have turned that a different direction or ignored it altogether or if we, we've tried and it didn't work and so we're tired and so now we're just going to put it back on the shelf and, and we throw the doors open on Sunday and hope that people come. Forgive us. Forgive me for making light of the image of you walking the streets of this beautiful world and the, the byways and the cow paths and the, and the little, little pathways all over looking for people who were disconnected from you, those who are broken, those who are marginalized, those who have been forgotten those who feel no hope. And you're walking around, looking, ever looking for another lost sheep. Would you help me to be brave? To join you in that effort. I can't save anybody, but I can love. Help me to love. Help us as a church to be a church that's biased toward the outsiders. Not as a trophy, 
not as a, as a political statement or anything other than just trying to do our Father's business. Help us, oh God, to do what we can do so that you can do only what you can do. And oh God, this morning, as we sit here in this beautiful room, in this beautiful church, this beautiful piece of property and arguably one of the most beautiful places in the whole world, Lord, if there are outsiders that are sitting amongst us that can hear my voice, would you just nudge them toward you? Would you just draw them? May they respond this morning, oh God, to the, the nudge of your spirit calling them, pleading with them to come back to God. Help us to be your ambassadors, Jesus. Help those who are far from you to hear your voice. No doubt, God, in, in this a, a church this size, there are moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles who have people that they're thinking of even right now who are far from you. They've been praying for them for a long time. Maybe they're here in Woodland Park. Maybe they're here in Colorado. Maybe they're far from here. I don't know. But would you place someone in their path today who knows you and who loves you and who is brave and would share your love, the ministry of reconciliation with them today in an effort to bring them back into the camp. And as there are those out there, may we be the same here for moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas who are far away praying for people in our community that we rub shoulders with. May we be all about the ministry of reconciliation for a world that seems to be inching further and further away from you every day. Thank you for these moments. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the opportunity to speak your word. I pray that it would go forth grow roots deep and may we be different as a result of being here this morning than we were when we walked in and it's in the name of Jesus we pray amen 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 would you mind standing with me I'd like to say a blessing over you and before we do that one of the things that I think that Woodland Park Nazarene did or used to do or wanted to do we're gonna do it again every Sunday Every Sunday, we're going to have people up here to pray for you. And so if you have a need, if you have a request, if you have something that's weighing you down, that has been wearing you out, there's someone here that will pray for you. If you have little faith, I promise you the people that will be up front will let you borrow some of theirs today. So, God bless you and keep you. May he lift his countenance to you. May you see his shining face and may it bring you what nothing in the whole world can bring you. The peace that passes understanding. We're smart, but we're not that smart. May God's peace reign supremely in 
your life. Amen. Amen. And amen. The prayer team will be up here. God bless you. I'll see you again next Sunday. Have a great week. presence on home.